Hello folks, welcome back to the RLS podcast. We are on episode 24 now um, and we are here with a man from over the other side of the world in Perth, Australia. Um, it's Big O, it's Oren McCorry. Um Nice to get you on, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thank you for the invite. It's been, we've teed this up for about a month now, and I was I'm excited to finally get get chatting to you mate, and get some uh, quality information out there to the listeners. Um, good, mate. So, uh, how's let's just a little introduction, mate. How's how's life? Who are you? <laughs> how, how did you end up uh, as an Irishman in, in Perth, in Australia? Yeah, man, all good. Um, so I actually came to Perth via via Scotland. So long story short, I uh, went to sports science and uni in Liverpool, went home, uh, set up a PT business, um, set up my own little small studio there, decided then being a, a big fish. And I was known for getting like quite good results there with guys. I was known for like my way of working with people and um yeah, business was really good. I think I read a, read a business plan to do a hundred grand, like like, and then I instantly decided to sell it. Like I was like, who writes a business plan to do a hundred grand a year? And then like a week later, I decided to sell it. But basically, what happened was I was on a course and I was going through London and seeing the big city, and I was like, you know what? Like I'm a that big fish in a small pond, and despite the fact I'd written that business plan, which I was very excited about, you know, like leveling up my business. I decided, right, now's the chance where I can be a, like, nobody knows me in, in a big city. Um, let's go and see if I can make it in these big gyms where there's 10 to 20 trainers. Um, and I was going to go to London, but one of my mates worked in Pure Gym in Glasgow. And he said, mate, come here, I'll get you a job here. Well, we'll get that all sorted. So I, I was like, you know what? I know nobody in London. I know nobody in Glasgow. What's the difference? Like, let's just give it a, well, I knew one person, that guy got me the job. So I thought, let's give it a shot. So went there to Glasgow, worked in Pure Gym, met my missus in the gym. Um, three years later, we got married. And uh, after our honeymoon in Dubai and the Maldives, the weather was terrible in Glasgow that year. And we said, oh, we've had enough. Like, let's let's try this. She's a dentist, so she got us the visa to come across here. And the rest is history. Mate landed here, built the business, uh, got my dream Dream job, dream lifestyle, two beautiful kids now. Still got my beautiful wife, obviously. And yeah, life's good, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm quite jealous watching your stories over in Perth. Um, I obviously spent <laughs> I spent a year over in Sydney, but um, Perth somewhere that I, I never actually got to visit. But I'd, I'd love to go over there and see what it's all about. Um, any preference, West Coast, East Coast? Obviously, you're living in Perth, but... Yeah. I haven't been to the East Coast. We actually oh, no. got here in 2018 and we traveled home twice in two years and then we said right 2020 is a year we'll do the east coast we'd have actually sorry we landed here in 2018 we had our daughter evie in 2019 so we said right once she's older we'll do the east coast with her in um 2020 and then covid hit so and then just the appeal is kind of gone but yeah you're probably lucky well not not lucky in a sense but I find from listening to people when they go from Sydney to over here, here kind of traps them because it's such a good lifestyle. Like to think yeah. Sydney's got it all. And if they do actually make it over to Perth, it kind of like just grabs a hold of them. So most people who make it this far don't don't go back, you know. Yeah, but I've only heard good things about that that side of the, of the country. But um, no, certainly a, a goal for the future to get over there, mate. Um, 
But yeah, the, the kind of the next question I want I wanted to I wanted to ask you is um, over your kind of coaching career, and I know it's been it's been on the go for for quite a while now. You're pretty experienced in in the field. Then, um, what are some of the kind of the athletes that you've you've worked with over the years? Has it been kind of more males, females? I know you've worked with some like uh, physique competitors as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a mix of everyone. Like at the minute, it's a lot of you know, normal people, like average Joes, if you want to call them that, or gem pop, whatever word you want to use, just normal people who want to build a physique, they might want to do a photo shoot along the way. I've also prepped people for like men's physique guys. Um, I've prepped people like meals for photo shoots, um, bikini competitors. I've also done work with sports teams way back in, in Ireland. My dad was quite a high level Gaelic football coach and he brought me in um, when I was interested in strength and conditioning a lot more than the physique side. And he brought me in to uh, essentially help his team to win a, a championship. So uh, I've ha- sort of had a whole range of athletes over the years, mate. But it's um, now it's it's kind of even now moving a little bit away from the bodybuilding side to just more normal people who still want that a bit of flexibility in how they do things. And it's not all about the physique, but they want that improvement in their physique. And I can take the stuff from the bodybuilding world and apply it to normal people because bodybuilders are the best in the world at getting big, getting lean, seeing definition, you know, and, and everything in between. So take what I've learned from that, that phase of my life and put it into sort of normal average shows now. Yeah. Quality, mate. And um, how about your own training? Like what, have there been different approaches over the years? Have you tried different things or has it been bodybuilding? Uh, mainly bodybuilding to be fair, mate. Like when I moved to Glasgow, a few of the guys in that gym were um were bodybuilders and they kind of I was kind of interested in it towards the end of 2013. I was just normal sort of physique. I liked training, you know, didn't really go too lean, but I hired my own coach, Josh Williamson, end of 2013, following a breakup, actually. <laughs> Funny story, breakups make bodybuilders, right? But um he, he prepped me. I said, right, I need to get in, in serious shape here. I want to look and feel good. And he got me that, gave, gave me that sort of bug for the physique coaching. Um, and then when I moved to Glasgow, I was like around all these guys who took the training a bit more seriously uh, than anyone back home, obviously. And yeah, I'd done my first show in 2014, that year, the year that I moved to Glasgow. I flew back home, uh, competed in men's physique, did the following year in Paisley and actually I was on stage with our mutual friend, Joe Parrish. He fucking cleaned up the show, I think, but uh, he still remembers me standing in the line in front of him. And I'm like, damn, he's got a good memory. <laughs> so competed with Joe, then moved over here. And I work I work mainly in a bodybuilding gym, Doherty's gym. It's a, it's a bodybuilding brand. They have uh, In the East Coast gyms, they've got bodybuilders who come over from the States all the time. You know, Ronnie Coleman's a good friend of Tony's. Like all the big bodybuilders in the world will know Tony. Tony actually runs the Arnold sports festival over here when it was like pre COVID when I was here. So he's good friends with Arnold. So like it's a pretty bodybuilding gym. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, I kind of went up a notch again and um, done a photo shoot, brought my best ever look. And then just with having kids in that made it's the priorities kind of changed. I want to look good and feel good, but I want to, you know, I don't want to train six days a week. I don't want to be, you know, eating chicken and rice, doing a prep photo shoot prep, where then I can't run after my daughter and different things. So I've actually joined again, our mutual friend, Joe Parrish, and I'm in his high performance coach to, you know, build a bit of, a bit more balance with everything now and kind of slowly get, I'm slowly getting there mate, with the balance. It's either 
it's it's very hard to, to find that sweet spot with everything, but uh, but we're getting there for sure. Love it, mate. Love it. Um, but yeah, that's a class story, and uh, I think the reason I kind of wanted to to get you on was, I mean, there's various reasons, but we want to take like a deep dive into training females, um, as I think it's it's always something that I'm again me especially I've trained majority males, um, young guys. Um, but again, something I want to get a little bit more knowledge on, and I think something everyone could get more knowledge on if you're like a, you're literally a gen pop or you're an actual coach is how to train as a female or how to train females. So the first thing I kind of wanted to dive in was like the different approaches to training for females. So I like a lot of females, they, they'll go into a gym and they're like, should I be training for bodybuilding? Should I be using glute bands? Should I be doing cardio? Should I be running? There's a lot of confusion about that. Could you shed some light on that? I mean, I guess, I guess it really depends on, on that person. And that is the really shit answer, but it's like, it's true. It depends on who's in front of you and what their goals are. Like if somebody's going to be inspired by Jen Salter, who probably promotes bands and loads of kickbacks and like sort of homey sort of workouts, that's going to be different to somebody who sees IFBB bikini pro like likes what we see at, at our sort of gyms. And it's like, it's completely different looks. It's completely different inspirations, but I guess the main thing they need to do for most females is to stop being the cardio bunnies. And I don't see it as often now working in a bodybuilding gym. Most people come in to train hard, but I did four, three or four years of pure gym in Glasgow city center. And trust me, the amount of people who have amazing potential with their physique and just maybe a little bit of extra body fat and they end up, you know, trying to run it off, treadmill it off, bike it off, cross trainer. And that's what they do. They'll do the bike for 10 minutes. They'll do the cross trainer for 10 minutes. They'll do the, um, they'll do the treadmill for 10, 10 minutes and then they'll do quick few crunches and that's a 40 minute workout done, you know, and they haven't really done anything to make that whole physique better. So I think in general, the, the weight side of things is the first thing for the average person just starting their journey. And then I guess from there, a lot of it comes down to, you know, where they're at and what they want to build and how they want to look. And you've got to kind of assess the physique. Like for me, someone who wants to do a photo shoot or, uh, a bodybuilding competition bikini competition that's a completely different goal and it's like there's a whole number of factors in there that we should probably get into but I guess the starting point is to drop the cardio probably drop the classes to an extent classes can still be very good and they're good with the, the community aspect and all that where you see the same probably 10 to 20 people come into those classes um, but drop those sort of lower weight aspects and going to more solid weight training probably yeah that's uh that's 100 what i kind of see as well in the gym is it's just uh i think it's almost it can be a confidence thing and it can be a not actually allowing yourself to get help to go and figure out how to use every single one of these machines in the gym how to move a barbell how to move some dumbbells and it's just i'll just stick to what's comfortable the, the cross trainer i know how to do that I press a button i jump on um, but I think it's it's always good once you first jump into a, a weights gym, like go and, go and learn how to do these movements. And you pretty much 99% of the time, nobody will look back after doing that. Yeah, yeah, 100%, man. And that's like, that's normally when they get the bug and they'll start to develop like that love of building their physique and start to see, you know, more definition in their delts or a bit bit of a better back or stronger back or you know to get the the towards the bum or at least somewhere towards the bum that they want 
And that, that phase me at the start, that newbie gains when they first start lifting weights, there's a lot of potential. Like for, for me and you or somebody who's been training or a girl who's been training for 10 years, it's harder to get for them to see huge changes in their glutes, their delts, their back without going super strict and like always progressing everything. But with very little, you can have a drastic change your physique in that newbie gain phase. So that's the bit. If you're if you're listening to this and you're you're doing the cardio and you're like, I really want to change how I look. I want my bum to be better. I want my delts to be better. My back to be better. Like that. This is the phase now where you can see big changes. So embrace it and just run with it. You know, because you're gonna look back and be like, oh, you know, I wish I took that phase when I started to lift a bit more seriously because then I could have grabbed those newbie gains. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure, mate, for sure. Um, so obviously, the the next kind of step forward would be the nutrition side of things, and again, you'll be the exact same, I'm sure. When you bring on kind of new clients, there will have been a lot of a lot of fads, a lot of aggressive attempts to lose weight, as you say, like a lot of kind of restricted calories, loads of cardio. Um, what are the most common things you see with new female clients coming on board in regards to nutrition? Um, it's probably trying to do too much, mate, to be honest, you know, like they're probably stuck doing the same things. And I actually, I've just wrapped up a presentation to one of my, my kickstart groups about this tonight. So it's fresh in my mind, but the emotional cycle of change, there's five stages to it, right? You've got, um, let me, let me think this off the top of my head. Cause I don't have the slides. So it's a uh, uninformed optimism. So when you start, like your optimism is very high, your confidence that you're going to achieve something is very high, but you don't really know a lot. And then after a while, you sort of like whether that's keto, whether that's, you know, classes, whether that's fasting, you believe that it's going to work. And you kind of think that you're going to jump all this, all these different stages to success with this sort of bridge of hope. But it doesn't really happen that way. What normally happens is people will start something like a keto diet and they will then sort of lose the, the optimism a bit and it becomes a bit less fun because they don't see results as fast as they want. And then they go to this valley of despair. And then from the valley of despair, that's when you're at your lowest point. And there's only two ways out of a valley. It's up, but you can go either left or right. So the right direction is where you persevere through and you try to try to fix things and you come out and shoot towards success. But what most people do is they go back to the, the start point. So whether that's, you know, they're doing fasting or keto, they'll then say if they started with fasting, right? So they get um, uninspired by fasting, they start to lose a bit of faith in it then they're not seeing the results from that valley of despair. They'll say, right, oh, I'll find this, this guy who specializes in keto diets. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to go back to here and they get all that optimism back again. It's uninformed because it's brand new. And then they hope that that's going to be their bridge of hope across to success. And the same thing happens. It doesn't happen as fast for them because they're always just chopping and changing too much. And they always end up in this valley of despair. And rather than try to find a way out of it, which being honest mate like coming to a quality coach like myself or you like that's a, that's a way out of that towards success or just persevering through and like you know doing it by themselves but just saying no i'm going to stick with this and see try to get to the results but most people are doing that cycle of picking something with their diet whatever modality the latest influencers doing whether it's fasting keto whether it's carb cycling whether it's hello fresh whether it's you know slimming world whoever's in their in their ear They'll follow that, they'll fall off a bit and then they try to find something new and they'll find something new that will then get them inspired and they keep falling back into these old habits. And that's why they probably are losing the same sort of five to 10 pounds consistently for the rest of their life. Yeah, yeah, unreal, mate. And I think 
it's, it's probably even a, of benefit to someone if they're kind of wondering what the emotional cycle of change is. Literally just go and Google it and you'll, you'll basically see a graph show up and you can always relate that to your journey, be that kind of what we we're just talking about there, keto or, or fasting, but you can also relate it to just any sort of kind of nutritional approach or diet that you're going on. There's always going to be that dip. There's always going to be that hard part, that sticky middle where you kind of need to pull yourself out of and it's kind of, as you say, it's the decisions that you make in that middle part when it gets tough. Um, it basically dictates long-term success. Um, but yeah, so is is there any sort of, and I know this is quite an open question because everyone is very different, but has there been any approaches to nutrition that you use commonly with females that have worked um, in the past? Well, I mean, with everyone, not just specific to females, I tend to prefer carbs right carbs are a preferred fuel source i would normally go moderate i guess maybe slightly higher with fats depending on what you different people would determine different things but i would say set your protein first around one gram per pound i set uh fats around one gram per kilo um so you can do the maths on that one one kilo is 2.2 pounds um so yeah one gram per 2.2 pounds of body weight for fats and then carbs make up the rest of it um, and the reason for that especially in females is because the fats are going to be needed for hormone health and um, females generally and this is quite a generalization but they're a bit more self-conscious about things like skin hair nails like think about that's why you know Holden Barrett and all these stores have all these products on the shelves which fly off the shelves you know so having a higher fat count can help with their cellular health which can then help with all that but mainly for the hormone reasons like we've probably got, for me personally, a lower end of maybe 0.6 grams per kilo. And again, I work in kilos, so apologies, guys, if you work in pounds, just times that by 2.2 um, to get that in pounds. But that would probably kind of be the lowest that I'd like a female to go. And a lot of my ladies will sort of stay at that as their sort of minimum with carbs then making up the rest of their calories. But probably what most people are doing wrong mate, is they're not eating enough calories. Like I've got ladies who've come into the hybrid coaching and I'll put them straight in a training days around 2,200 calories, like say, depending on body weight, but say 2,200 on a non-training day around the 1,800 mark. And for a lot of women, that's going to be the oh fuck moment. That's a lot of food. And yes, it is a lot of food. It can be a lot of food. I've had calories like around that mark before and probably currently on some of my days I have around 2,200, but depend on your body weight and your goals, that might be what you need. And a lot of people don't realize that just by going 1,200, 1,400, they're just limiting the results because one, they don't have energy to perform, they don't have energy for work. And then if they're not performing in the gym, they're not building that muscle that they want. And it's, you know, you just going on this roundabout, you know? Yes, I see it all the time with those kind of incredibly low calories. Like there's a time and a place for them if you are really trying to cut a lot of body fat right down at the bottom um, but you want to stay away from that as, as much as possible because you, you'll feel it and all your kind of clients will have felt it before. You just, you're more sedentary. You're more liable to want to sit down. That nap becomes more common. And when we mm -hmm. think about that as a comparison, like how about we add in some more calories there and you're moving about a little bit more, you're more active, you've got more energy and you just generally feel better on a daily basis. And again, it's, I suppose it's up to either a coach or just that extra bit of education to help you choose that number that's going to be right for you on a daily basis yeah yeah 100 man yeah um but what i wanted to to dive into now and it's it's something i'm 
admittedly not got a huge lot of knowledge on. Um, and it's the kind of, it's the physique competitors and it's the bikini competitors. Um, how is it, how is it tackling that? Is it, is it a challenging kind of client to work with or is it very rewarding at the same time? It's probably both me to be honest. Like it's probably, um, they do need more attention. So that's why a lot of prep coaches or people who do photo shoots may charge more for in prep because that person's going to need more from them or contact them more than the average client will. Um, I personally just have my prices the same and just run with that. But that that's for me to take on my belt. Like if, if you want to get paid more for it, that that's hundred percent. That's cool with me. Um, but cause it's so much more intense, like, it can take up a lot of a time and a lot of energy. Like, for example, I'm prepping a girl who's competing on Sunday over in Queensland uh, in the Brisbane show and uh, the natural federations over here. And we've done a call this morning. We're going to do a call tomorrow. I'll probably do something with her on Sunday morning, whether that's voice notes back and forth. Um, so even though it's my Sunday, which is a chill day, it's her comp day. So I'll be like on, on hand a lot. Um, and in the, the lead up to this, she's had probably weekly calls from a set amount of time out. So you've got all the normal training diet stuff that I guess everyone's going to need and everyone's going to have access to and the regular check-ins and everything that we do. But for her, she's needed a bit more just because of the fact that it's it's a big comp, you know, and it, it is, you know, it's it's different. And a photo shoot client may not need that. Probably most of them won't. But... Yeah, it does take a, a bit more on and you've just got to be a bit more, I guess, considerate that it, it's a lot. It's all they think about essentially for 20 weeks, 26 weeks, and 12 weeks, whatever the time difference is. That's all they're thinking about day in, day out. They're living meal to meal, workout to workout, day to day, thinking about, I can't wait to get up on stage and do this thing, you know. So you've got to, you've got to give them that little bit of attention, in my, in my opinion. Mm. And what do you believe the, the dangers of that are in terms of psychologically? Do you think there are any? Um, it depends. I guess it depends on the person a lot. Like if it's somebody who's had a seriously, um, it's like anything we do though, anyone with a serious disordered eating background or, you know, emotional eating or full on eating disorder. Um, no, for anyone listening, there is a difference between disordered eating and eating disorder. So somebody could still have, disordered eating without having a full-on uh, eating disorder but um like it's obviously it's just a lot to think about for people like in terms of they're being so strict like down to the gram with their food they're not putting sauce on their food and if they are you know it's mostly being tracked for most people i would say you know they're counting veggies which is something i don't do with my normal normal people but they're like counting veggies in their carb count so if they've got 100 grams of carbs they've got to make sure that they're not just eating heaps of veggies and going over that you know they've got to um You've got to plan everything, mate, and it can be very strict. And even especially coming out of it, man, as well. Now that I'm thinking about it, like now, if I didn't do the right job with Ashley, come Sunday, she's got a photo shoot on Tuesday or Monday, I think, no Tuesday. But after that shoot on Tuesday, if we didn't have a sit down and plan the next goal and the next calorie bump, which a lot of people don't do, um, that can cause a lot of fucking issues too, because the person will um, be so locked into this diet mentality of pulling body fat off. And what most coaches, well, some coaches will probably do, or at least it used to be a thing in the past, is they would sell a 16-week diet block, but they never really look after the clients after. Oh, diet's done. I've got my trophy. I'm a champion trainer. I've got everything. But 
to have it really looked at for the client after it. And I guess that's down to the trainer, but also the client. You've got to say as a coach, right, listen, you're going to do a minimum of four weeks with me after, maybe longer. Um, and then we're going to work on this. So it's not just get to one thing, you know, piss off into your off season by yourself. It's literally, right, we're going to work on bringing you out of this in the best position possible so that they don't end up with more disordered eating tactics as a result of you just dropping the ball, you know? Yeah, you've, I think you've always got to future-proof, don't you? Um, I think a lot of bodybuilders yeah. have that story of their first show when they rebound afterwards and it's like it just goes out of control and that's, I suppose, where the, the negative relationship with food may be built up. And um, again, I think everyone's usually a little bit more successful the second or the third time, aren't they, because of the fact they learn from that. Um, but if you could obviously yeah, avoid that, then that's, that's, that's ideal. Yeah, yeah, 100%, man. So do you believe that that bodybuilding is a is a finite game? It's it's not it's not something you can do over 15 to 20 years. I mean, I know some people do, but what's your opinion on that? I'm gonna throw the boring answer out again and say it depends, my man. But it it um I guess it depends on how how much you're in it, you know. Like I've seen people who like Andy Scott, I used to work with at Pure Gym Glasgow absolutely sensational bodybuilder loves it to, to death competes at a very high he's one of britain's best amateurs and he's still just chasing that pro card and some people who are at that elite level will literally just stay in it and they'll do yeah they'll not compete every year like they might take time off between them but they're still in that bodybuilding mode all the time i mean that's perfectly fine there's no issue with that um some people just want to flirt with it and do something but probably a common thing that we're talking about females is that, you know, I'd say long, longer term, the people who do it longer term are the bodybuilders or people who are aspiring for that pro card. But most people who come in, which is the issue, will see that girl who's going for a bikini pro card. They'll follow them and they'll think, you know what competing looks like fun. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to diet down and like rock on some tan and makeup and, you know, look all glamorous up there and pose and bring everything They'll maybe do one, maybe two shows and then they fall away from it because they're doing it for the wrong reasons, I guess, you know, rather than bodybuilding for themselves or bodybuilding for, oh, that looks like fun. Maybe I could get some followers from that or get some fucking free protein out of it, you know, and they do it for the wrong reasons rather than they're chasing the fame rather than chasing the end result of that pro card, you know, which is the people who are successful have that bigger goal in mind with it. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible mindset to be able to do it over like a, a three three year plus period, and I always take my hat, hat off to people that are able to do it because it's 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 almost more is more dedicated than being a, a pro kind of sports athlete like a like a football player or a rugby player. Like it is a lot of dedication. It's every hour, every second of the day that you need to think about it. So it's yeah, mate, it's it is an incredible mindset. Um, so. Something I kind of wanted to jump into, it's slightly off topic as well, is how have you how have you found that your training has changed and your kind of your nutrition and things like that has changed as you have now become a dad? Obviously, it was a couple of years back, but um, how have your values changed around training and priorities? So, I guess this is a good one, man, because I actually done the prep for my photo shoot, which everyone anyone who follows me will probably see pictures of me in prep every so often not as often as i used to i used to like sell a lot based on my physique and what i'd previously built and everything else but i i did that last photo shoot uh, 2020 after lockdowns um i decided i needed new marketing marketing photos of me getting in silly shape so 
I got a group of maybe 10 clients worldwide and we'd done like somebody done a the shoot in Malaysia. One of my clients in Glasgow went down to shoot with AK, uh, Anna Kell in Cardiff. Um, we had a group of people do it here. So Evie was born, let's talk, let's talk date. So we moved here 2018, Evie was born 2019. That shoot was 2020. So she would have been just turned one when I was in the middle of doing that. And I think probably whenever it was around her first birthday was whenever it was like go time, like 12 weeks out, like not putting a foot wrong. I was still eating good before that and aiming for this. But it was like, right, this is where I really can't mess it up. And I can remember there's a park, probably a 10, 15 minute walk from here and it's down a couple of hills. So obviously on the way back up, you've got to get up these big hills. And I can remember sitting with my wife and um, Evie was, you know, little and she just like lightly kicking the ball. Doesn't really know how to do it, but it's her first real like kicks with the ball. And my wife was running after and doing that. And I was just sitting on the grass like nearby, just being like, I'm goosed. I don't know if I can run after her and get back up this hill because there's that whole like once you push past what is your leanest, it is fucking hard on the body because your body's used to having a certain amount of body fat on. And when you push past that, the energy will go. And I was putting a lot of energy into the business and the clients, um, plus my training probably, probably put less into my clients than I probably would like in hindsight as well, which is another negative, obviously. But I was so focused on that goal. I was giving clients what they needed when they needed it, but I wasn't really being proactive. And I definitely wasn't on point with family. So while at the minute, the priorities have changed now where the, you know, the girls are hundred percent my priority. And my goals is to be fit enough to stay running after them without being a slave in the gym. Um, it's different in terms of like the businesses to be of me now, where it's like, instead of me thinking about my physique, it's more, uh, how can I grow this business? So I'm around more and I've got the, you know, the right clientele. in, so I'm not in PT and as much as I would have been there. And, and, you know, different things made it definitely has changed. And I think um, like at the minute, I'm only trained three times a week on a good week. Like I said to Joe, I had a big, um, big shift in the amount of work I had to do in January. And I messaged Joe, I was doing maybe five days a week on average in the lead up to Christmas. And I said, mate, things are going a bit insane with work here for the next few months. Uh, I think three times a week is perfect. So now I'm kind of finding, I guess, optimal for me right now. It's not optimal. It's not where I know I can perform my best in terms of, I know I can train five, six days. I can be shredded i can be big i can be one of the the probably bigger guys in the gym or at least look that way due to my body composition but that takes a lot more than what i'm prepared to give right now because of the family because of the business and i guess it's finding that that balance now coming out of that bodybuilder mindset and into the the more dad mode and we've now had our second second baby last year she's about 10 months now um so she's coming up to one and she's now at that stage where I would have started a prep now when Evie was this age and I don't want that to happen where I, I get to another six months down the line or, and, you know, I'm too focused on, on myself and my physique and then miss out on all that with Mabel, the, the second baby, you know? Yeah, amazing, mate. I think it's, I think um, values and priorities and that, that's forever evolving and I think a lot of people kind of get yeah. stuck when they'll be like, this is the thing I do. I train five times a week. I train as a bodybuilder. This is how my nutrition looks like. And this is, it's almost tunnel vision and they don't kind of adapt with the times. And that's when you kind of eventually get caught out. And I think that's why a lot of people sign up with our, uh, our coach, Joe Parrish. It's body, business, brain, and balance. It's being able to yeah. get all those four things aligned at one time. That's it's, it's, it's hard and it's, it's difficult to get yeah. it in the right place, but that's the kind of, that's the goal. You don't want to just be a one trick pony. That's just all bodybuilding, no family and your business falters yeah um i think yeah, being able 100%. to do all those things 
I mean, like like most people will be all or nothing in an aspect before they jump into coaching with me or you. It's the same with with me, with, with Joe. Like it was literally like when I was doing marketing and things that needed to be done, I would be all in on that. And for a week I wouldn't train. And then I'd start to train a bit and then I'd get in a good rhythm for a couple of weeks. And then I'd be, right, I've got another big fucking launch coming up, all in on that. And I, I was in that same cycle of, right, I'm, I'm just literally doing what my clients come to me for. I, like I needed to hire Joe and Joe was the, the perfect candidate because it was like balancing everything out in terms of the, the body, brain uh, and balance, you know, and business obviously too. So quality mate quality um so what's the what's the plans for the for the rest of the year with the business with with the family with yourself so no more kids in the way or anything so just focus on the two that i've got that's that's the main thing now um just i guess i still do have a presence in the gym i've got an office at doherty's i do a set amount of clients per week but it's all kind of geared around me building the online side and me like still being in still doing certain amount of sessions per week but having the time where i can come home and work from home and and do what i need to do with check-ins and all that from home here and be around even if i have to nip in the office for a two-hour block i can then nip out again and be around the girls and so still maintaining that lifestyle mate like it's it's such a good lifestyle here it's unbelievable like to maintain that and to grow the business to where um it's mainly, it still is mainly online at the minute, but more online. Um, and then potentially, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it too much because if I say that I want to hire staff or I, want, I don't want to hire staff or I want to launch 10 new groups or I don't want to do it, then it's kind of like, I'm kind of in this zone where everything is going really good at the minute and I kind of don't want to plan too far ahead, but just more online, less focus on the gym, but the big goal for the year is to work with like a thousand women through the different platforms we got. So we've got the five day free, uh, free challenge where females can come in and they can learn from me. Um, it's running this week. Actually, they can learn from me all about mindset and the kind of stuff that we've talked about to set them up on their journey. And if I can get, you know, 500 people through, through those by the end of the year, then that's a big winner. Plus then my one-to-one clients, my hybrid ladies, which is the group based coaching, the podcast, which we'll throw out as well. The O show, um, so to impact like and actually lightly I use the word coaching lightly like the podcast isn't really coaching but it's more like giving them that information to succeed by themselves but to have a thousand females a year be impacted by the stuff that I'm doing like that's the kind of big goal and as long as I do that it, I guess that's why I don't say about like oh the goal is to earn x amount or have 10 staff members or 10 new products like as long as I hit that that number or I'm close to that number and shooting for that number that's that's a win for me mate so if i can do that by the end of the year while still keeping my ladies here happy and help help a thousand ladies around the world with that that that's a win for me mate incredible mate i think it's it's testament to the to the phrase um, impact over over income um and as you say like if you're able to have that impact the income will just come along as a as a side note so mate amazing yeah. um how about the podcast? Like, I mean, I was curious to kind of know, like, what, who are some of the kind of the biggest guests that you've had on, or have you got any any big ones lined up on the old show? Yeah, mate. So we just dropped the second one now with Hattie Boydell. We had her on season one, so we're on our third, fourth, third season, third season now. Um, the first one we had a goal. I, I started during COVID, and I wanted to do fifty-two episodes, like one a week on average. So I just about scraped in there at the end. I had to like start releasing two a week at the end to get them in there. And um, then the second season, I wanted to do two a week, so do like a hundred odd episodes. I failed miserably because that was just way too much to be to be doing alongside coaching. 
Um, but we've had some big guests on there. You know, we've had Harry Boyd along. We've had other WBF pros like Alicia Gowns. Um, I'm in talks right now. It's literally going, getting ready to get booked. But Brett Contr- Contreras um, said he'll come on. So the latest season. And the current season, season three, is literally me picking people that I want to have conversations with. We're going to have five, or sorry, 12 main episodes. We're currently on episode five, which is Harry, which has just dropped. And uh, so there's 12 episodes and we're going to have five people on the super subs bench. So when I launched this, I got my graphic designer to do up like a football pitch and like, like a formation thing. So we had 12 guests as the starting starting 12 in this case, rather than starting 11. And we're going to have five people on the super subs bench. We're going to come in about four weeks after this one finishes and have them come in uh, for that sort of, I'm, I'm labeling as like the high impact players who come on and win the game, you know, with a big topic. So it should be fun, man. So I'm starting to record those ones again in the next couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, I mean, Hattie, Hattie is probably the biggest one. She's got the most listens and, that was actually when I started to really believe in myself as a podcaster where the Hattie thing, I'm going to tell you a story. It's so weird how it happened. So I, when I started the podcast in 2020, I was like to my clients, right, who do you want to see on? I want to get people of value on. And, you know, I'd got other superstars in that world of physique development, like Alicia Gowns, who's a WBF, WBFF pro. And one of my clients said, oh, you need to get Hattie on. She's like unreal. I was like, okay, like she's, she is pretty unreal, but like, I don't know if I can get her. Um, and I messaged her and I think she's seen it, but didn't reply or something. And her email system wasn't working. I tried to email her. Um, and then randomly uh, she reached out, she followed me and I was like, Oh, that's weird. And I was like, I put up on my story and tied her saying, should we get Hattie Boydell on? And she wrote back with a love heart. And I was like, does this mean you're in? And she's like, yeah, I'd love to come on. And like when I got talking to her, I think it was that she'd seen my message about the podcast in the DMs, but she gets so many that she couldn't remember. And obviously I've got a, a weird spell in the name. She's like, it's not like it's just like Dan or something memorable that she can then just then go and search all the Dans. She was like, oh, who is that who messaged me about a podcast? And then she's seen a comment on somebody else's thing. And I was like, oh, that's that guy. <laughs> so she followed me. We jumped on the podcast and all that week, mate, because it was the biggest name that I'd done. She's got, she had, I think, 500,000 followers at the time. She's like a world class in the physique world. Loads of, loads of ladies look up to her. And I was listening to the podcast with her. I just searched her name on Apple all week in the car when I'm driving to and from work. There's one guy here in Australia who'd done a sensational interview. And I was like, wow, if I could do something like that, that would be really good. Anyway, we get off the podcast. And I was like... <laughs> It was good, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she loved it. She kept saying, like, I was one of the best hosts she'd ever had. And she'd done, like, videos on her thing when it came out saying, you know, he was a great host. We had some great questions. And then she jumped back on again. And I was talking to her about it again. I was like, oh, well, thank you for that. Because you'd said that to me. She's like, oh, it flowed really well. It was great. Like, actually, she came off the podcast thinking, that was a great interview. And at the time, I was coming off the podcast thinking, fuck, I could have done better. So whenever she started to say things like that, that's whenever I started to believe in myself. So like, I guess the, 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 uh, t- to tie in like from that lesson, like wherever people are in life, whether they're coaches, whether they're normal people want to start a transformation, like it doesn't have to be sensational and it might be less than what you think. You might think that, you know, oh, that's not what a picture, I, I could have done that better. But to the other people, like on, to the people who, look, who are around you, 
you might be that fucking superstar. Like for me, it was, I was that podcast host without even knowing it. In my head, I was beating myself up. So whatever you're doing, it is good enough. Just, you just need to fucking keep going, you know? Yeah, exactly, man. That's what I find as well with the podcast. There's always that little bit of self-doubt and there's always that, that could have been better. This could have been better. They're not going to want to come on, but you just, you just need to keep going and chancing your luck. Like I've even taken the approach one time. I was just literally sitting with a, a few beers on a, on a Saturday night. It was maybe a little bit under the influence. So I was like, I'm just going to start messaging people and just see if I can get a reply. And I mean, yeah. I've got a few lined up in the next month, which are like, again, guys that have maybe got like, 20,000, 30,000 plus followers on Instagram, pretty big names on YouTube and things like that that have managed to get lined yeah, up. Nice. So um, so it's quality, mate. Um, I must. I was I was sober when I messaged you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Nice. But one question I want to ask you, man, and I know it's, I'm going to turn the tables as a host, but do you listen back to your own episodes? Like when they come out on Apple or whatever, do you then just find them all in the car or do you listen back? I have done, yes. I've done with, with quite a few of them. Um, more so on the ones that it's strange enough more so on the ones where i'm like that went pretty well so i suppose it's maybe maybe the other way i should start looking at i should start maybe looking at the ones that i thought didn't go so well because again might shock myself they might be okay um so yeah yeah 100 like i always just find them on in the car not every single one but i'll be like you know i'm driving i listen to podcasts all the time rather than the radio and like a lot of the times I'm listening to myself in the car and it's weird, but it's different because it's not me talking like this where like I'm being interviewed. It's like, you're just asking the questions, but me, I think like the retrospective um, feedback, even if it's just like you're remembering, oh, that was actually a great conversation. Remember when she said that, or he said that, like that, that can be really good for launching stuff into your brain and you're kind of re relearning what, the person's maybe taught you on that as well so it's like you're taking in all this you've taken it in once whenever you've done the podcast but then you're taking it in again when you're listening back in the car and then it, it can also the same effect I mean, it can boost your confidence being like you know what fuck that was really good i got some good feedback off that you know yeah no that's a, that's that's incredible advice mate i'm gonna i'm gonna keep doing that in the future um good. but um no nah, mate thank you very much for coming on um and i appreciate you taking time out of your your evening to uh to catch up with me um but yeah mate once pleasure, again, thank you very much um i'll let you enjoy the rest of your evening and uh yeah i'm sure i'll hear from you soon bud take care man thank you right thank you very much Joe.